Financial fraud and cybersecurity expert Aviva Lighten, a distinguished analyst at Consultancy Gartner, will be a featured presenter at ISMG's Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in New York, August 8th and 9th, highlighting the growing role hacker attribution is playing for a number of large companies, including those in financial services. But how reliable is hacker attribution, and how do we make hacker attribution reliable? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm joined today by Aviva Lighten to answer those questions and more. Aviva, you'll be moderating a panel about hacker attribution on the first day of our summit in New York City, which takes place August 8th and 9th. Before we get into some of the questions you plan to pose to your panel, could you just tell us a bit about hacker attribution and why it is deemed to be more critical or important and relevant than it was in the past? Yeah, thanks, Tracy. Hacker attribution means that you identify the actual hackers that are conducting the attack instead of just their tools and any other indicator that they have of compromise, what's known as IOCs. So instead of identifying their tools, their techniques, their compromise tactics, instead you identify who they are. And the reason why that's important is because they launch multiple attacks with different techniques. And so if you know who the criminal is, either digitally or even personally, but mainly digitally, then you can create a digital footprint of that hacker himself or the gang itself, and you can preempt the attack no matter what technique the hacker decides to use. So it takes you to the identity level as opposed to the technique level. Aviva, I'm going to come back to ask you a little bit more about hacker attribution. But before I do that, could you just tell our audience a little bit about the panelists that you have joining this discussion? Yeah, we have three expert panelists that each represent a different dimension of solving this problem. First, we have Richard Jacobs. He's the assistant special agent in charge of the cyber branch at the FBI's New York office. And it's obvious to all of us that the FBI is there to actually catch and stop the actual people that are conducting these crimes. We also have Jackie Costelli. She is the senior product manager at CrowdStrike. I think we all know about CrowdStrike from their research with the DNC hack. And Jackie is responsible for taking threat intelligence including information on hackers, and putting that into CrowdStrike's detection product to keep the bad guys out of their customers' machines. And finally, we have Noam Jals, and she's a senior intelligence officer for a new startup called Diskin Advanced Technology, and that firm is headed by Yuval Diskin, who's former chief of the Shin Bet organization in Israel, which is akin to the FBI in the United States. And together, Noam and Yuval Diskin created a methodology based on data mining and cybersecurity in large part uh, that enabled Israel to preempt suicide attacks. And they've taken that same methodology into cybersecurity. And so they're busy trying to stop and preempt attacks against their clients. So these three panelists bring uh, different views of the problem to the panel, and I think uh, we will all benefit from that 360-degree view. Yeah, I would agree with that, Aviva, and it's interesting because going back to, to a point that you mentioned earlier, 
five years ago, three years ago, we wouldn't have even been having this panel discussion. And it's just fascinating that you have folks out in the industry that are really specializing in this. On that point, Aviva, how would you say that hacker attribution compares with or to indicators of compromise? Tracy, indicators of compromise are exactly what they sound like. They're generally lists of IP addresses or URLs that are blacklisted. Uh, they're static information, basically. They also can be a little more complicated than just a blacklist of IP addresses and URLs. They can also be a, a pattern description of how a hacker behaves when he takes over a desktop, for example. So it can be a list of attributes that companies should look for to know that they're compromised. But generally speaking, they're typically hashes of bad files. So if there's a piece of malware out there, like a piece of ransomware code, the security community will create a hash of that ransomware file. And now everybody can put it into their detection systems to look to see if they've got that hash on their system or to stop it from coming into their system. So they're basically indicators that you are going to be compromised or have been compromised, just like they sound. Hacker attribution is not at that level. It's at the identity of the hacker level. So it's not the technique that they use, whether it's a piece of malware or uh, some way of using a new exploit or taking over a port. It's not at the tool level, it's at the identity level. So it's similar to if you're trying to stop a murderer, if you go look for a gun that he's used before, you could stop him from committing more murders by trying to identify that gun. And if you see that gun, then you know that you gotta stop that attacker because he's a murderer. But what if he went out and got a new gun? Then you wouldn't be able to identify him properly because now he's using a new tool. So this way you are looking for the hacker himself rather than the tools that he's using. And therefore you can preempt his attack no matter which gun he goes out and uses. That's a great point, Aviva. I was just going to ask you what the goal of hacker attribution is, or do we really need it? But I think the analogy that you made with the criminal and the gun it perfectly explains it. But isn't hacker attribution rather difficult to achieve with accuracy? I think I'm very happy you brought that up because there's two types of hacker attribution. There's a digital fingerprint or footprint, however you want to refer to it, for this hacker. So we know what kind of domains he sets up, how he prepares for attacks, and it could be a she, by the way. But we get all the information to create a digital fingerprint of that hacker. Now, taking that digital fingerprint and tying it to an individual entity, whether it's North Korea or Russia or some cyber criminal in Brazil, that's a whole different story. And that's really not the job of the security industry necessarily, uh, it's the job of law enforcement. So you can have a digital fingerprint and be very certain that this is a particular attacker entity, but tying that digital fingerprint to a human entity, the security industry can't do that, you know, using technology, that the job of law enforcement. Now law enforcement does use technology to make that leap, but they also use personal human intelligence 
what they call it in the intelligence community. They use all kinds of intelligence to say, yes, this was North Korea that attacked Sony. They can say that with confidence. Security researchers can't. So if I were to ask you then, Aviva, how do we achieve hacker attribution? Are you saying then that we achieve it by having a greater reliance on law enforcement or working more collaboratively with law enforcement? We need to distinguish the two types of hacker attribution. As companies that are trying to protect ourselves electronically, we need to do everything we can to keep the hackers out. Hacker attribution is a big piece of that. Like we talked about, you can preempt attacks, and it's important for industries to cooperate with law enforcement so they can take that digital information and then tie it to human entities. And that's very important because you got to lock these people up or, you know, you at least have to stop them in some sense. Very often you can't lock them up because they have immunity in the countries they're in. But when you identify the people, you can get much further in stopping future crime. Uh, then you can just kind of knocking out guns here and there. You know, it's it's the same analogy. If you start taking down all the tools and techniques, they'll just keep coming up with new tools and techniques. But there's a finite number of criminals, even if that's tens of thousands, it's still not millions like there are technical techniques. So if you can stop 5,000 out of 100,000 criminals, you're much better off than stopping none of them. And that's why private industry has to cooperate, because private industry has all the data. They're the ones getting attacked. And if law enforcement has that information, they can build a better case and do richer forensic activity that lead them to the actual people that committed the crime. So, Aviva, then how do we make hacker attribution useful to potential or future victims as well as targets? Well, once we get that digital fingerprint of the hacker, then we have to translate that into machine language that our security systems can use. So we have to come up with some type of fingerprint. It's very similar to an indicator of compromise, but now it's an indicator of an attacker. And put those in firewalls and endpoint security systems and network analytic systems and to the same places we stopped indicators of compromise today we'll stop indicators of attackers it really takes it up a level you know in the fraud world it's similar to credit card fraud you get a black list of credit cards that were stolen and you can got them from the underground and now you can distribute that black list to all the retailers And that blacklist has to keep changing. But when they get that blacklist, they know don't ever accept a payment against that credit card. Now, wouldn't it be better if the retailers got a blacklist of the criminals that are using the stolen credit cards? So now they have a list of, you know, 5,000 hackers that are going to go start using those credit cards. And those 5,000 hackers are pretty constant. They can't change as easily as credit cards can. So it just makes their defenses much more effective if they can identify the people instead of just the credit cards. It's the same thing with the tax against enterprises as it is with financial fraud. Instead of having to have hundreds of thousands and millions of indicators of compromise, let's get a more finite set of hackers themselves and make our defenses more intelligent.
Yeah, it's a great point, Aviva. And I think it's going to be a really engaging panel. And with that, I don't want to be a spoiler, so I'm going to stop there. But are there any points I've neglected to note or ask about that you'd like to make our audience aware of in advance of the summit? Oh, I think you asked all the right questions and really great questions. I think the thing I'm excited about the panel is to get the audience participation and reaction and thoughts about how hacker attribution can become useful for their enterprises and also defining hacker attribution a little more clearly that security industry is not out to get nation state governments. That's not their job. They're out to get digital fingerprints that can help enterprises. So I, I'm just really excited to talk about it and to hear what people in the audience have to say. Well, as always, Aviva, thank you for your time. And I look forward to seeing you at the Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit. And I also, of course, look forward to attending your panel. Same here, Tracy. It's always a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to the session very much. You bring a good group of people together. It should be very stimulating. Again, we've just heard from Aviva Lighton, a vice president and distinguished analyst with Gartner. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.